happens to a man's soul and spirit when he dies? How can I concentrate during prayer? Is a couple seen to be married in the eyes of God if they only have a civil ceremony and not a church wedding? These are some of the questions raised by our listeners and today I'll be posing them to our pastors for discussion on this episode of Ask a Pastor. If you have any questions for them or comments about this program, please send it in via SMS to 9868004. You can also listen to the archived episode of this and previous programs on 107fm.org. So let's welcome our pastors. This morning we have Pastor James. Hi everyone. We have Pastor Jia Hong. Greetings to everyone. And we have Pastor Ben. Hello, good morning everyone. To begin today's episode of Ask a Pastor, I'd like to invite Pastor Ben to pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this radio program called Ask a Pastor. We ask that this morning as we take some of the questions, Lord, we uh, ask your Spirit to guide us and lead us so that the listener will be able to hear your voice and listen to your voice, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You're listening to B107FM and this show is called Ask a Pastor. Our first question for today is, when a person dies, what happens to their soul and spirit? I think the soul, the soul concept, the spirit concept has been, um, because of English, has been very hijacked. Uh, you know, Hollywood has presented it as uh, possibly a, like a, a ghost. being with a conscience. Mm. Uh, can, they can think and talk. They're pretty much a uh, semi-hollow form of who we used to be, <laughs> right? They can float and fly through places. Um, but if you go to the biblical definition of uh, soul and spirit, the Hebrew word in Old Testament is ruach, which is uh, air. Wow, which okay. Is air, breath, or wind, and also uh, spirit. And so it's, it's the same word that they used to write, the Holy Spirit. Mm. Is that, that word? It's Ruach. Ruach. And so, so when the Holy Spirit is a person that we acknowledge, that's fair. But the Bible defines our spirit is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Our spirit is from God. So it's the breath. But it's the same word? Same word. Like, see, but God, see, we, our life is, comes from God. Our life oh. comes from God. So in the Bible, it says when in creation, God formed man out of the, 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 the earth and he breath, breathed breath into him. Mm-hmm. And this is the life that we have. See, the, the breath is a borrowed thing from God. Doesn't mean that it becomes independent of us and God. You get what I'm saying? Okay. It's the energy mm. that God gives. It's like electricity. God mm. passed some of his power to us so that we can be alive. Doesn't mean that the electricity itself becomes a hu- uh, another person. Mm. Right? It's just something that God lends us to sustain us, to make, come bring us what we call life. Mm. And so the Bible says that when we die, that breath, the, the earth that makes our body, our physical body goes back to the earth and the breath returns to God. Mm. Breath returns to God. And there's no form of existence that, that the Bible does not support in any way that they become another form that uh, exists apart from a human. Mm. So a human part is body plus breath equals to a living soul. So the word for soul is actually could be used hum, human. Mm. So that is the biblical definition. It should be pretty clear. Mm. I think uh, even nowadays we still use the word soul to you know uh, refer to a person. Refer, yeah, yes. refer to a person. Mm. So like you know that soul. We pray for that many soul that attended mm. the meeting and things like that. I think I, I like to go back to where Pastor James started off with that. When God created, there was no soul separate, no no spirit separate, and He bring it down together. Okay, now we're gonna 
make that one person know. It was just that on that spot when he say he bred into the man nostril, the living soul. That that's where it become. But um, uh, there was one question that uh, people might wanted to raise uh, from the experience of uh, King Saul when mm. God rejected him, and uh, and also after the death of uh, S- Prophet Samuel, mm. and that uh, he wanted to. Um, find out what's God's will, and uh, he, he went sh- to a medium. Yeah, he, he went to a medium. He disguised himself, and the, and, and the medium sort of uh, really bring out you know that uh, image of image Saul. of Saul and uh, uh, Samuel. Samuel. Samuel, right? And uh, the, uh, at first he thought really uh, you know oh that's a, uh, but uh, the Bible clearly say that that was that the, the evil spirit. Putting on the guise of Samuel. Yes, Samuel. So we have to be very careful. The evil spirit has been there for. From the ages when when mm. God's uh, you know uh, the, the, the the they were sent down to the the earth at the time and they knows uh, what's going on for mm. for every one of our life they've been watching us and and they can always bring back that kind of hey that person is now alive uh, or that mm. incarnated in that body because to play tricks with uh, our minds yeah that's right to play with mm. our, so that uh, the, the 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 works of the devil will do in that sense that oh. You know, even though the person died, his soul or his spirit is still there and 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 doing that kind mm. of, uh, what you call, ex- they come up and they show themselves. Mm. So those are the work of the evil spirit. But as far as the Bible concerned, the Bible says very clearly, when a person dies, he's like a sleep person. I mean, mm. when you are sleeping, you don't, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's happening around. Mm. And the Bible, you know, put in that same... Uh, 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 understanding when you die and when you sleep. That's why the but Jesus say very clearly, you know, oh, when you are sleeping, mm-hmm. it's like when you're dead. So when Lazarus was dead, he said, "Oh, Lazarus was sleeping." And the mm-hmm. disciples said, "Oh, if Lazarus is sleeping, he will wake up one day." No, no, no. For your understanding, I will tell you, he's dead, but we're going to wake him up. Mm-hmm. So when you die, there's no soul that go out and you know and go, wander, wander around. around. And no. So so when it only comes together this two you, you form a, a, a person or a living so mm-hmm. yeah I think this is a very debated topic it's about the immortality of the soul mm-hmm. and we believe this is false according to the Bible because as what Pastor James and Pastor Ben has said that a soul is just a living person and even in the Bible in Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 20 it says the soul who sins shall die. And the soul can die. The soul is not a ghostly being that floats around after we pass away. And even from the beginning, this false doctrine has been given by the serpent. He tells Adam and Eve, you shall not surely die. And now even in the cartoons, when a person dies, you see <laughs> the ghost, the, in the more translucent image of the mm. character come out. And in many dramas, we see such a thing. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. When we die, we go into a state of sleep until mm. Jesus comes again. And so this is something that we have to keep in mind. Where, where does the man's soul or spirit go when, when he dies? The breath of life goes back to God and our body will lay in the ground. Mm. So by extension... When people say of someone who has passed away that they are now in heaven looking down at us and watching over us, and that's not something that we subscribe to. Yes, that's not biblical in a sense. Imagine if you die today, 
Sorry for saying that. <laughs> but <laughs> if you die and you go to heaven today, and you look down, you see all your loved ones suffering, how do you feel? Mm. You wouldn't feel like heaven. And then it would also contradict, by extension, the verse in the Bible that says that in heaven there, there will be no tears, no suffering, yes. no sorrow. And this, it would be very horrible. I wouldn't want to go to <laughs> heaven and see all the... For us humans, we are, we are, we are limited. We, we can't like look down and see now. Mm. Because throughout the world, in every corner, if you are able to look down like God and see all the bad things happening... I think you have a heart attack. I know, and with all the, watching all the wars, watching all the, the you know the murders yes. and the abuse and all that. You'll probably yeah. die again in heaven <laughs> if that is even possible. So the Bible clearly teaches that we, when we pass away, we go in the state of sleep until when Jesus comes again, mm. the righteous are v- resurrected, mm. and from there on they will go to. Mm. Yeah, just just to add on that, Lord, mm. that your, your note that in First Thessalonians and also in the Revelation chapter twenty, where we can see that when Jesus come back second time, mm-hmm. all those who are dead in Christ will resurrect. That means very clearly that when we die or a, a saint die, will not go to heaven straight. Mm. If that's a thing, then then God doesn't have to come back anytime. I mean, because right, we're already up there with up him. There, yeah, with right. him already. So it's very clear that uh, when we die, we are like a sleep person in the in the tomb mm. or whatever. And when Jesus comes second time with a uh, 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 very loud of trumpet sounding, mm-hmm. the dead in Jesus Christ will resurrect. Mm. Because so, it doesn't make sense If let's say they were already in heaven yes. Then he makes a loud trumpet So we all get torn down from heaven <laughs> Put back down here And then we get resurrected again That's right That's okay. right Yeah. Right Pastor James no, I feel also that That shows how God is fair He mm. he waits for See it's not fair for a person who You know Maybe committed a small sin Or we think um, Stole something And maybe he refused to accept God's mercy and grace And he, he dies And he, he goes to Hell, if you believe mm. it exists, for 4,000 years. <laughs> and then Hitler comes along. Mm. And he goes to hell for eternity, continuing after 4,000. So this petty thief will always serve 4,000 years more hell than Hitler. <laughs> and it's, you not, it that way. it's not fair, you see. It's, right. If it goes on for eternity, right? Right, because if we're talking about linear time, yeah, exactly. then if, if the petty thief dies Starts earlier than Hitler... Suffers longer. Yeah. <laughs> And it's not fair. Even if somebody, even if there is Hitler 1 and Hitler 2, mm. and Hitler 1 lives to a thousand years before Hitler 2, they did mm. the same crime, same gross, gross tech stuff, the guy still suffers a thousand years more than say Hitler 2, which they mm. did the exact same crime. So I think God is fair. He waits for everybody. I say, all right, everybody, it's time for judgment. And then that's where it begins. And, and mm. so for life in heaven, for life... Uh, in hell, we talk about that in another topic mm, about yeah. heaven and hell. <laughs> but just, just so that God, God, that tells me my God is just. Mm. He, he gives everybody the same judgment, same time. So for those who pass away, they just go into a sleep and mm. they wait for the period of time where judgment is supposed to be meted out. And then it, bam, everybody starts in the same starting line. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And it gives meaning to the coming of Jesus. Mm. Mm. Or else we do not need to look forward to the coming of Jesus. It will have no meaning. Right, if you're already up there. Jesus don't have to come to redeem his people because mm. the people are already redeemed. Mm. So there's something that we have to be very clear and very careful mm. about. 
But I also just like to add one line because there are many people get confused by the Bible verse say secret rapture or being taken away. There will be two people in the field uh, grinding the field, mm. and but one will be taken, one will be left out. So so it's like you know, just Jesus will come and Jesus will come like a thief and will take somebody off. No, that that what that is a different thing. Uh, uh, basically means. Even the two person who come up and brought up in the same environment, that their choices they are made that in their life will make a difference. That mm, one will so be safe. That one particular will not, verse is not talking about something but, that really will happen. Yeah. But it's it's an analogy and a metaphor. Anal- that's correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll take a quick break for a short message, and we'll be back with more questions. Our free Bible study materials will help you gain insight on how to live your life and learn more about God's many promises that give us hope, peace, and confidence. SMS your name, address, and the word Bible study to 9868004 or log on to 107fm.org and click Bible study. This is Ask a Pastor, and you've tuned in to B107FM. If you would like to listen to more episodes of Ask a Pastor, it's all there on the podcast page found on the website 107fm.org. Our SMS hotline is 9868004, and you can use that to contact our pastors and send them a message or ask them a question. Or if you would like to have a private conversation with them, perhaps your question is a little bit more sensitive and you don't want it to be aired on the air, then uh, please text them at 9868004 and let them know. Okay, our second question for today is, every time I pray, my mind gets distracted and I start thinking of other things. How can I concentrate on prayer and not let my mind wander? Well, I can relate with that person very well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, um, you know, um, I remember when I was back in uh, volunteer time, uh, I would drive a car, uh, a school van. Every time I start driving, when I can actually really do any, nothing else, only drive, then I started thinking, oh, I should read more Bible. You know, mm-hmm. I started thinking, oh, I should pray more. But after I finished my duty, mm-hmm. then I would forget that I wanted to read Bible and I wanted to pray. But every time I come to that. So so um, what, what really helped me in my journey in this uh, spiritual discipline that would be, before you actually read and uh, b- before you actually pray, it is good that you read some other religious book before mm-hmm. you start it. If you can concentrate on that religious book as you read, as your mind can get absorbed, and then start reading the Bible. Then after you get to those, and then you come to a prayer. So you need to just prepare because our mind is uh, very w- wonderfully God has made. Yeah, it, you know when the moment you start saying don't think anything, you start thinking something. Yeah, <laughs> like don't think of the pink elephant. Yeah, think of the pink, elephant. <laughs> pink elephant. Right. <laughs> so, so I think we need to prepare our minds, prepare our heart as we come to that that very important sector where you want to spend time with God and praying, talking to Him one on one. So that will help. But instead of rather boom coming and started to. You know, if you don't make the habit, you know, mm. yeah, it's hard, it's hard. So you have to come slowly into that right. very important moment. So that has actually hel- helped me. As mm. you can concentrate w- uh, uh, on reading that particular book or particular verse, then you see that your mind is more stable. And then you come to the next step where you talk to God very uh, openly and where your mm. hearts and mind connect and you can concentrate. Mm. Yeah, I think preparation is indeed very much required before prayer. Mm. Let me give an, an exam, example. If you just finish watching a movie or a TV show, 
or just finish reading a novel or magazine, your mind will be all still be, stuck there. Be playing <laughs> the scenes, trying to imagine the scenes in the book, or just replaying the scenes from the movie. Mm. So if before you sleep, you watch a TV show, you watch movie, and then you try to pray before you sleep, <laughs> and all that goes on in your mind is the movie. And I, I know that because I, I have tried that, <laughs> sadly, to say. So preparation is the first important tip. And, uh, and uh, another very practical tip is that maybe the person is praying silently mm. and the person can try praying out loud. Mm. Yep. And this will help, help to concentrate. Because when we think, mm. we do not think in a straight line. We go mm. everywhere. But when we pray out loud, when we speak, we speak more coherently mm. and we will go tend to go in a straight line. If the person f- feels like, oh, I don't, don't want my parents to hear me mm. and all these things, the person can also try writing out the prayer. Mm. God can also see it and it, we, we can also look, be- look back at it. Mm. And these are, I think, very practical tips to help us to concentrate in prayer. Because even when you prepare yourself, sometimes when you pray silently, you still get distracted. Mm. Mm. And praying out loud is a very good method of helping you concentrate and not be distracted. Mm. And to continue the preparation concept and idea, I think it's important to know uh, who you're praying for. See, pray a lot of time if we focus on ourselves and who, uh, you know what I need, what mm. I want. You know, it's very mundane and it can become repetitive. Like you go through the same thing again and again every day. Mm. I think when you have people that you're praying for, uh, I learned this from a, a a senior mentor of mine who he has a book and he writes every time he promised because you know in Christian circles we have people yeah, like pray for, you. pray for me yeah. he will actually write the person's name down and he'll write it down and he has like pages and pages about that at that time when I met him when mm. I asked for prayer I was the 450th name or something like wow. that he says I'll get to you in a year <laughs> <laughs> and I said sure no problem because I didn't have anything in particular that I needed him to pray for. Of course, if you like something even pray, urgently, he pray for you now. He says, "I'll put you in my prayer and I'll remember you and I'll email you after I pray for you." Wow. And so he goes through a name every day and he prays. He asks me, "So what can I pray for?" And at the time, I was deciding whether to go to ministry and all that. He says, "By the time I pray for you, you should be in ministry." <laughs> and, uh, and so it happens. So it's very prophetic. Yeah, he, he goes through and he prays for everybody, one person a day, and he prays and. And uh, I think it was in October. I was I was in Andrews, Michigan, and he emails me one day. He says, "James, today is your turn. I prayed mm. for you this morning." And I like he follows the book, and he he really assured me, and I really love the fact that he he prayed for me. And so I started to to do that too with my friends. I write down names of people that I pray every day for, because there's something really urgent, very important about. And I'll have those. So I do two things when people say, "James, pray for me." I pray for them immediately mm. or else I'll forget and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, you know, and I write them, their name down in my book and I, I go through them. I'm not as consistent as that mentor of mine who goes through everybody in everyday discipline every once a day. I go through about three, four names every three, four days. <laughs> like, so I go in bulk <laughs> and I cover them eventually and I try to contact them and say, hey, I pray for you. And I think it helps to have friends who, you know, mm-hmm. it, it may be that day that they really need that prayer from you. And amazingly, like God's time Timing was good because October was about winter studying, get over the hype of starting new school, workloads coming. And when he prayed for me, I'm like, God, this is exactly when I needed him to pray for me. And mm. it was the right time and the right day. So I think Amen. having that 
gives you a focus in prayer and you wouldn't you know mm. go go la la land mm. go you know ride horses or something mm. uh, you will be able to stay focused because you are committed to a cause there's a purpose of a prayer mm. and with the technology there's a lot of apps out there that help you with prayer actually right I mean you can very easily just note down I think there's an app out there even where if you want to pray yeah. for somebody you could actually connect your con- their contact number straight into that uh, prayer right. and then once you finish you can send them a text right from the See, app that's the thing I <laughs> <laughs> I, I've learned to be old school about this. I realize if I rely on the app, mm. I become lazy. Oh, okay. Everything's up to the app to remind me, up to, to, the pray. App to pray, to send. When I write it down, it's an effort. And the effort makes this person kind of more important to me. Yeah, mm. That's why for like, like Bible journal, I also write it down with pen and paper. Mm. Just for my own sake. Mm. I do have to say though that I read a research out there, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I read a research out there that says that there is a very big difference between writing and typing. Correct. In that when you are writing it, your your brain actually is more actively involved, which allows not just the memory, but at the same time, you're using your your, your brain to actually think about what you're writing versus just typing. Because if you're typing, you you don't connect so much or something. um, I'm not not too sure about the technical terms behind it, but you know. When you type, is actually you're only using one side of your brain, mm. the rational side of the brain. When you, when you, let's say when you learn, that's why when we learn a language, mm-hmm. our teacher forces us to write. Right. Because it connects the left and the right brain together. The creative when you're writing side is and the both, right? Side. Yeah. yeah. I, I fully agree because mm. I fully can uh, connect with that because when, when I was studying, I, mm. I would just use, mm. write, write mm. copy the notes. Mm. And once you copy it two or three times, you, you, can, re- you can remember <laughs> everything. <laughs> so uh, when people ask me, how do you study? I just say, oh, you just write down the notes <laughs> when, when your teacher is talking. Mm. And then when you are studying, revising for it, you just copy one or two times more. And that's it. Wow. Literally copying notes. It's literally. Wow. Perhaps, okay. Yeah. But I wonder for those generations growing up right now, like, you know, they do write, but very minimum. Like, they do mostly multiple choice stuff. Sure. Uh, but mm. uh, born and grew up with the typing things. Uh, well, that the, then they realized that their grades would improve suddenly because <laughs> they started writing. <laughs> no, but in, in, in learning of language, uh-huh. it's still like you have to write. Like, it's, it's mm. the way of teaching language. They have to make them mm. write. Yeah. But I think also, it, it, if emotion, maybe it's just me. Yeah. But I find that it's easier for me to write out my prayers. Especially, right. I mean, I can, I can pray out loud, but when I'm struggling for somebody or with something sure. that's really, really uh, impacting my life or that person's life, I find it's easier emotionally and also um, with my thoughts together, my thoughts together by actually writing it out. Sure. You know, I, I find that that works for me. But I think Pastor Ben is, is right to say that also that everybody's got a different tactic because some people really sure. hate writing. You know, just don't and, like it. Then they'll mem- remember their whole experience. <laughs> 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 no, no, that's just my preference for prayer. Mm. I'm not talking about language or other stuff. But for mm. prayer, uh, just suggestions. I have a friend yeah. who wakes up every morning, he types his whole prayer out mm. and his roommate hates it because he types it very hard. <laughs> <laughs> very passionate But prayers. that's how he does it. Yeah, that's how yeah. he does it. I think I know somebody who also uh, was mentioning to me that um, they record, interestingly oh. enough, they record down their prayers. It's like a diary, but an audio diary. Cool. So that works for them, right? And I, yeah. like, I like that because I tried that before mm. one time. Because if you don't realize it, you, don't, you know, uh, many times we go into that prayer, the same thing we'd be praying, you know. <laughs> say, hey, I, hey, it's the same thing. That, which day that was that, you know? Sure. Yeah. So, so you get to see. But, and also, I know that when you write it down, you yeah. can also see, refer back, okay, how, mm. and things like that. Yeah. 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 Okay, we'll take a quick break, another short message, and then we'll be back with our final question. 
God gave humanity a gift at Easter in the form of Jesus' sacrifice. Give a gift to 107FM to help us share the hope of the Easter message. Please send a text message to 9868-0004 if you would like to send us a gift. Or log on to 107FM.org and click Donate. This is Ask a Pastor, and right now we have time for our final question for our pastors, and it is, can a couple be considered to be fully married in the eyes of God if they only have a civil ceremony and not a church wedding? Pastors? That you have defined what is a church wedding, <laughs> you know, and what is a civil... Of course, I personally personally believe that wedding is a biblical def, uh, concept mm-hmm. uh, and a civil union is more of an administrative political thing that they kind of borrowed from the religious Christianity thing to, to so that they can govern things more easily. Mm-hmm. So um, civil union, legally you're married, but married for God, you don't even actually need a church wedding, right? Mm-hmm. Traditionally, if you look at the Bible, uh, people are married by the, the parents, the priests, uh, or like by the within uh, friends and family and believers of God. Uh, so really, it's up to how do you define a church service. A church service could be a pastor, um, the couple, the parents. And I think that's as legit as a full-scale march-down, wear-gown, <laughs> flower-girl, Bible-boy. Mm. But I think it's acknowledging God's part in your marriage and acknowledging His role of... Uh, approval and uh, blessing on the marriage that is the more important part of it than the actual physical ceremony uh, mm. if you get what I'm trying to say mm. uh, I think I can understand the, the question coming from the, for this for this person mm. uh, but for other countries such like they don't even have a civil so-called recognition in marriage mm-hmm all right. So, uh, where does this uh, the official <laughs> wedding you know mm. recognition come from? Uh, I think where Pastor James just now mentioned that the Bible very clear said that in from the Garden of Eden, God instituted two things. You know, institute mean like something abstract that you know God has done, which is a sabbath, of course, and also this uh, wedding or the marriage that God mm. has established. So, I think uh, um, coming back to that authentic or, or the right way to get married in God's eye would be, yeah, it could be anywhere. It could be at home. It could be in garden. It could mm. be in some places. So the venue is not so much uh, yeah, the important thing. Yeah, not so thing. much important thing. But mm. rather the concept of why you're doing that, rather, you know, you're making a promise. You're making a, a statements and a, 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 a taking a responsibility in mm. front of God and saying that I'm going to take this woman, take this uh, man as my husband or wife that I mm. promised in at the side of God saying that, you know, I'll be the, uh, the person mm. that, you know, yeah. Right. <coughs> I'd like to say... <laughs> Pastor Jiao Hu recently, some, recently got yes, married. Yes, <laughs> I have some th- things to say because I got married three times uh, <laughs> just the past, within the, the past let's year. Let's clarify to the same woman. Okay. You had three yes, different ceremonies. <laughs> so, uh, it, yeah, last August, last year August, I had my so-called civil ceremony, but mm. it was in church. So it was uh, solemnized by a pastor. Mm-hmm. So it was just attended by my own family members because we were just signing the documents. Of course, the pastor prayed. And I would assume that that would be legitimate. Mm-hmm. But uh, of course, we had our own wedding in Singapore. And my wife is a Taiwanese, mm-hmm. so we had our own wedding in Taiwan as well. Right. That's why I say we have three weddings. But I think I'll, I'll, I would think that there's a difference between a marriage and a wedding. Mm-hmm. A wedding is more like an event. 
it's cultural. It's, it's one like a party. day. Yes, it's like party, but it's it's just for one day. <laughs> but uh, but for some people, that one day people, is a huge yes. deal, and it takes so much time on one mm. day. And I would like to this this is another thing, but sometimes we focus so much time on one day, but we do not focus enough time on things that last for the whole lifetime, mm. and that is the marriage. They will have mm. the beautiful wedding, you know, everything mm. perfect, the best flowers, the best food. Mm. And they spend so much money, so much time on one day. Mm. And after that, they quarrel because, you know, they have to pay off the debts <laughs> and all these things. And we have, to, we have to remember that marriage is the most important, not just mm. the one day wedding. And can a couple be considered to be fully married in the eyes of God if they only have a civil ceremony? Yes, like... Uh, Pastor James says, if they include God inside and in the eyes of God, they are married. And even, I believe, for non-believers, they, are, they just sign the paper, they do not include God inside. Mm. Does God view them as married? Mm-hmm. I think so. Mm. Because they, they, they have made the commitment to each other. And mm. I think that God has seen, ha- looks at, at them as married. Mm-hmm. And why we include God is because we ask God to bless and lead the the marriage. Mm. And if we say, if we answer it as no, the, the couple is not fully married, then do you mean that if I was a non-believer, I was married and I come to God, you know, I am free to leave my wife? No, that's not true. So, a couple can be fully considered, fully married in the eyes of God, even uh, if they have just a civil ceremony, they just mm. sign, they just register. Even if they don't, but they commit to each other, they mm. have some witnesses. However, to have the blessing of God, we have to always remember to have a prayer of consecration and always remember to have family worship together, have prayer together mm. as a family. Because you're building the, it's the foundation and the building block of a marriage, not so much as the wedding itself. Yes, that's right. Mm, okay. Well, with that, we have come to the end of another episode of Ask a Pastor. Just a quick reminder that if you have any questions for our pastors, the SMS hotline number is 9868004. If you would like to find out more about Ask a Pastor or you would like to sign up for one of our many Bible study uh, correspondence courses, you can log on to 107fm.org. I'd like to invite Pastor Jia Hong to say a word of prayer for us. Let us pray. Dearest Heavenly Father, we are thankful for today we have come and we have studied about different topics and help us to be faithful to you, help us to always spend time with you and help us to pray more to you. And may you bless our day today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.